WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Thursday, February 8th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. See a mix of sun and clouds today. Warmer than it should be this time of year. The high of 50. Tonight and overnight, the clouds roll in low 40. And then tomorrow, mix of sun and clouds, high 54. If you are walking out the door with us right now, 28 and clear in New Square up in Rockland County. 33 and clear in Eatontown down in New Jersey. And it is 34, a couple clouds outside our Midtown studios. A whole lot to get to. I mean, really a whole lot before we make our way up, sit in friends in the morning at 6 o'clock. We'll start in the Bronx with this story of this bodega owner who, for some reason, had $100,000 of cash in his store's register when he was robbed over the weekend. Now, of course, you might guess they're desperate to find the people who broke into this store. The United Bodegas of America is an organization where bodega owners own. It's almost like a union, but not really. They just represent the bodegas. Fernando Mateo, you may recognize that name. He ran against Curtis Lewa for the Republican nomination for mayor last time around. He's head of this organization. And uh, they had a press conference yesterday yesterday trying to figure out if they could identify these people who broke into this Bronx Modega Castillo Mini Market on University Avenue. They were able to cut all of the Wi-Fi wiring, all of the instruments that would have alerted the police department. So one of the burglars involved in this robbery seen on the video just casually behind the counter tossing the cash into his backpack. Now I have member of the family, well, who owned a long time a grocery store and a deli and that kind of thing. And the last thing they did was leave cash in the store. So this part of the story doesn't really sound right to me. But okay, uh, I don't want to blame the victim in this case. So the owner of the store came back on Monday, realized that the business had been broken into. The steel back door pried open with a crowbar. Security cameras were damaged, so they didn't catch everything. The bodega owner, of course, is uh, broken down. Uh, economically, socially, mentally, um, he lost $100,000. I know him and his father and all his family, hardworking people, and, you know, it's, it's very sad. Yeah, so citywide burglaries are down, actually. But apparently it's a different story up in the Bronx, specifically within the 46th precinct, where NYPD crime stats show burglaries are up 25% this year. Small businesses are being hurt by this the most. Bodega owners are also threatened with people following them to their homes and robbing them at their doorstep. Yeah, I mean, that's awfully frightening. But again... Why do you have $100,000 in the store overnight? Something's not 100% correct about that story. The uh, search continues this morning for five U.S. Marines whose military helicopter was found 
in Southern California's Pine Valley after it did not arrive at a San Diego base as scheduled. The Marines were on a flight training aboard the CH-53S Super Stallion helicopter. They were flying from Creech Air Force Base, which is near Las Vegas, to the Marine Corps Air Station Miramar, which is in San Diego. They were overdue. They realized they had not arrived. And then they found the chopper. In Pine Valley, this is a mountainous area that's about 30 miles east of where the San Diego base is. The condition of the helicopter, well, they haven't told us, and they haven't found the five people who were aboard. Now, Jim Kedrick, he's the president and CEO of the Air and Space Museum in California. He flew one of these super stallions, and so he knows a little bit about the chopper. Some people might call it a heavy lift. It's very, very capable. It can carry a lot of stuff. It can bring in heavy equipment. It can bring in troops. The helicopter has been around with the Marine Corps for a long time and certainly has a great history and performance record. So apparently it's up could carry a lot of people. It can carry a lot of, um, you know, uh, stuff aboard. And so we don't know exactly what was on board this flight. We just know that these five Marines, unfortunately, still missing this morning. We would call it in aviation a beast of an aircraft, a lot of weight carrying capability and size. It could put vehicles inside it, you know, that kind of thing. Very high performing, very capable helicopter with, I'm sure, a well-trained crew. I think their biggest challenge is what we've all been experiencing in the San Diego region is weather. You know, I would find it unusual to not believe somehow the weather has affected where they are. Matter of fact, it's probably the weather that is our primary challenge in finding them. Yeah, so we reached out early this morning to get the latest. We did not hear back, so the assumption is these five, unfortunately, still have not been found. Let's hope when they do find them that they are alive. Strange story out of Philadelphia yesterday, still piecing this all together, at least six people unaccounted for after a house was set on fire yesterday afternoon during a shooting that injured two local police officers. This is right outside Philadelphia. The district attorney there, Jack Stolemeyer, says the officers were responding to a report of an 11-year-old being shot. It's not clear if a child actually was shot, but as soon as officers arrived at this house where the shooting had reportedly taken place, this was four in the afternoon, someone started shooting back at the officers. We don't know who was in the house. We don't know who the shooter was. We don't know how many people are in there. We don't know their status. We don't know if they're alive. Uh, police officers right now are making sure that that scene is secure. The gunfire has stopped. I just left that scene. Some of us the chiefs did as well. Um, the house was still on fire. So we weren't able to make entry yet into the house because we're taking it safely for all the officers on scene. But we will get to the bottom of it, and we will continue that investigation to know whether or not an 11-year-old girl was or was not shot. But more importantly, who shot these police officers, and we intend to hold everyone accountable. Yeah, so that's from a late-night press conference. So they weren't giving out a whole lot of information. They were afraid to go into the house. It was still on fire. One of the officers was shot in the arm, the other in the leg. Thankfully, they're both going to be okay. Uh, we don't know who the person is inside who is firing at them or how many people were in that house. I imagine the next couple hours they will sort that all out. WABC News Time 509. What a mess it was in Midtown yesterday. President Biden in the city for a bunch of fundraisers, high dollar ones on the Upper West and Upper East Side, some meet and greets. One of them was at the Mandarin Hotel in Columbus Circle. He was met by pro-Palestinian protesters who stood outside. <laughs> I bet he hears it for sure, and I think he's been hearing it. 
Yeah, the next stop for Biden was another fundraiser on the Upper East Side, where he was met by more pro-Palestinian protesters. And uh, some of them were arrested. They blocked Fifth Avenue right outside the Met. Traffic? Oh, my God. It's heavy. The president should have thought about the citizens and a different mode of yeah. travel. All the presidents come here to raise money. I mean, this is nothing new. And then, of course, they cause all kinds of nightmares traffic-wise. If you were out of the city by like one thirty or so, you were probably okay. Then after that, that's when it got bad. Just random closures as they got the president from the heliport in lower Manhattan to the upper and east side and west side. Here were some of those protesters. He will say one or two words of sympathy for the Palestinians, but continues to do the worst, which is to actually send billions and military aid to Israel. So you can say one thing, but do the other. Yeah, so those protesters out both the places where the president appeared for those high-dollar fundraisers yesterday. Big day down in D.C. today. The Supreme Court going to hear arguments today on the Colorado Supreme Court's ruling removing former President Trump from the state's ballot. White House correspondent and attorney John Decker says this is a -a one-of-a-kind case. It is unprecedented. Never before has a state sought to disqualify a presidential candidate from the election ballot. The Colorado justices, who were all appointed by Democratic governors, ruled the former president took part in an insurrection during the 2021 Capitol riots. Decker believes the Colorado team will get grilled on their stance today since Trump hasn't even been formally charged for that insurrection. Trump has never been charged with insurrection, nor has he been convicted of insurrection and this action taken by the Colorado Supreme Court uh, was perhaps premature. The Colorado Supreme Court has already said that because Donald Trump violated Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, the Insurrection Clause, he is ineligible to run for office. So the justices will get the questions, hear those arguments today. Supreme Court decision expected before the Super Tuesday primaries next month. 512, let's go out to California. The ongoing historic rainstorm has kept Los Angeles firefighters, structural engineers for that matter, extremely busy. There are parts of Southern California that got 12 inches of rain from the weekend going till just yesterday. I mean, enormous amount of rain. Since Sunday, the city has received 475 reports of mudslides, including one that damaged this man's home in Baldwin Hills. My wife and I watching a movie, sitting in the den, watching a movie, and it sounded like thunder. Yeah, it must have been kind of a bummer. Firefighters also responding to 390 reports of fallen trees. Crews put out a dozen structural fires, made several water rescues elsewhere. 919 spots where the stormwater system became clogged had to be cleared. All kinds of flooding. The city's also taken 440 reports of new potholes. I mean, that's probably the least of it. L.A. Department of Water and Power restoring electricity to about 59,000 who lost it over about a 24-hour period. The retaining walls seem to have worked, but they, they needed to be extended. They, they needed to go wider because this went around the retaining walls. Yeah, now they're playing cleanup in California. The jury four person in Jennifer Crumbly's involuntary manslaughter trial says it was not an easy decision to find her guilty on all counts. The 26-year-old hairstylist and mother remaining anonymous but did talk to reporters after the verdict was delivered. The thing that really hammered it home is that she was the last adult with the gun. And that's where I'll end. 
my my comment. Thank you. Crumbly's son, Ethan, killed four students at Oxford High in November of 2021, pled guilty to all the charges he faced. Crumbly faces up to 15 years in prison when she sends, but that date has not been announced yet. It was very difficult. It wasn't an easy decision. Um, lives hung in the balance, and we, we took that very seriously. Her husband, James, also charged with four counts of invo- involuntary manslaughter. 514, let's go out to the Middle East. Secretary of State Antony Blinken in the Middle East working to strike a deal to free the remaining hostages that are being held by Hamas in Gaza. We have been intensely focused from day one on getting the hostages, all the hostages, back with their families where they belong. Blinken was in Tel Aviv yesterday. He says Hamas's response to a proposal to pause the fighting with Israel opens room for a hostage deal, but he says a lot of it is non-starters and what they're asking for. It comes after Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu rejected Hamas's response to the proposal, calling it delusional, vowed to continue military operations in the Gaza Strip. More than 100 hostages are still being held by the group following the October 7th attack. While there are some clear non-starters in Hamas's response, uh, we do think it creates space for agreement to be reached. So more than 30 of the remaining hostages taken by Hamas during the group's attack on Israel are dead. That's what Israel is saying, at least the New York Times is reporting from Israel. Israeli official Amir Ona says most of the hostages, though, are still alive. We don't know the precise number, but as soon as they come back home to their families, it will be better. Yeah, New York Times reporting Israeli intelligence officers say at least 32 of the 136 hostages in Gaza have reportedly been killed. The report comes as the U.S., Israel and Qatar continue negotiations for this potential exchange of remaining hostages. In facilitating another deal, yet another deal, because we have been successful in the first one, we hope that we can make a second and hopefully last deal. One of those hostages is Hirsch Goldberg, Rachel Goldberg. No doubt you heard her a few times with Sid Rosenberg on Sid and Friends in the morning talking about the bid to get her son and all the other hostages free. She says on TikTok anyway yesterday that her son was not one of the hostages presumed dead. At least that was as of yesterday. She says some of the hostage families have been notified by Israel that their loved ones are presumed dead. She says she's not one of them. That was, of course, as of yesterday. Don't know if that holds true today. But, of course, we'll continue to follow this story. All right, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noah Malayla. Start here on the ice. At the Garden, Jimmy VC scored twice, and Jonathan Quick made 18 saves as the Rangers beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-1 last night for their third straight win. Johnny Brzezinski also scored for the Blue Shirts, who won for the second time in three days after the All-Star break. Quick has started both of those games. The Rangers are 4-1-1 in their last six, and at 38, Jonathan Quick became the oldest goaltender in Rangers history to win three straight games. He also defeated Ottawa 7-2 in uh, the Rangers' last game before the break on January 27th. Last night was his 387th career win, two behind Dominic Hasek for 15th on the all-time wins list. Uh, VC gave the Rangers a 1-0 lead as he ripped a backhand past Vasilevsky at the 115 mark of the middle period. Brodzinski increased the lead with his third goal, just over two minutes remaining in the second. And then BZ, he sealed the win with an empty net goal, just over a minute remaining for his 11th of the season. The Rangers were coming off a 2-1 to overtime win over Colorado at home on Monday. After an off day yesterday, the Islanders and Devils will return to the ice tonight at their home barns in uh, Newark. The Devils will drop a 7 p.m. puck with the Cavalry. 
Flames before the Isles get going against the visiting Tampa Bay Lightning at 8 p.m. No action on the hardwood last night, but uh, the Knicks and Nets both returned to the court for respective 7.30 p.m. tip-offs tonight at the Garden. The Knicks will welcome the Dallas Mavericks while out in Brooklyn. The Nets will be hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers. That is sports. WABC News Time 520. Let's go down to D.C. The White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre says the push to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is shameful and baseless. It is unfortunate that this is where House Republicans spend their time. Republicans failed to get that impeachment even through the House. She's calling on Republicans to stop wasting time and instead take ash- action to address the issues at the border. They really want to fix the issue at the border uh, and the challenges that we're seeing. They really want to address immigration, a system that's been broken for decades. They can join us. Senate Republicans, meanwhile, scuttling this $118 billion border bill and foreign aid package. However, Arizona Independent Senator Kirsten Cinema says there's still a way to make this package better. We could have an open amendment process, address concerns about the legislation, and then pass it and go to a conference. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer plans to drop the border provisions, force a vote on aid for Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan. The border deal negotiated by a bipartisan group of senators in the White House uh, collapsed just after its release. They don't actually want to secure the border. Now, that benefits p- people on both sides of the aisle. Both Democrats and Republicans are probably pretty happy that we're not going to do anything about border security. But as Arizona senator, I can tell you this is devastating to my state. Yeah, not a lot gets done in an election year, and, well, we're proving it right here. The man who calls himself pro-life Spider-Man says he scaled the Las Vegas sphere to raise money for a pregnant woman. Macy's Deschamps posted video on his Instagram account last night from atop the 366-foot tall structure. This is the sphere where U2 is doing those concerts, and you've probably seen video of what goes on inside. It's pretty wild. Hey, guys, I'm here on top of the sphere. (laughs) I guess they're going to make me go through the top. It sounds kind of windy. Las Vegas police took Deschamps into custody following his climb. He's pulled similar stunts. In fact, last year in Phoenix during the Super Bowl, uh, he did a a similar type stunt. You two ended up performing last night at the venue, so it didn't stop that from happening. He reminds me, he calls himself pro-life Spider-Man. There's a guy who goes by Batman who rides through Hoboken. I've always been curious of who the heck this guy is. But he's in full Batman uniform costume, and he rides a bike up and down Washington Street, blaring the old tune to Batman, the TV show from, I guess it's the late 60s, early 70s. And that's <laughs> that's what he does. Uh, and invariably, you see him, and it's always kind of fun to see him. So he kind of reminds me the pro-life Spider-Man of the Hoboken Batman. Just ahead of spring break down in Florida. They're not taking any chances. They've had all kinds of nightmares with parties that just got a little too crazy. So Governor Ron DeSantis says Florida's going to deploy the Highway Patrol, Department of Law Enforcement to clamp down out of out of control parties that take place during spring break each year. I've told the mayor proactively the state will provide resources that the city here needs to be able to ensure that spring break does not turn into some melee. Yeah, there was a big problem last year in Miami. We're not going to let the streets be taken over. Uh, We're not going to let the residents who live here have their quality of life diminished. Uh, We're not going to let allow businesses to, to be hurt.
Yeah, it's that time of year, right? Uh, the kids start going down mid-February through mid-March for spring break. 523, sales of Apple's virtual reality headset have been steady since it hit store shelves over the weekend. Experts say this is the first generation of the Vision Pro, so expectations need to be tempered just a little bit. Be very careful when a company comes out with version one of anything. You may have to wait for a few versions before they perfect it, they get it lighter, and they certainly make it cheaper. That's tech blogger Michael Garfield, the high-tech Texan, he calls himself. The $3,500 price tag, that's how much these goggles are. That is a lot of money. Apple's betting on the headset, promising more than 600 apps right now when you buy it. So right now there's some big ones that are missing, including Netflix, Spotify, uh, Spotify and YouTube. They're not included, apparently. On paper, it's neat, but because it's a first-to-market type of thing, I just don't know how big it's going to be until version 2 or 3. They don't want it to be called a virtual reality headset. They want it to be called a spatial computer. So it is different, and they're marketing it differently. You know, I bought my kids the metal ones, the goggles, and, uh, I mean, they just thought I was the greatest guy in the world when I brought it home. And then a month later, they weren't playing with it. My guess it's going to be the same with this. They haven't really figured out how to make this a long-standing, worthwhile investment. And the apps end up costing a lot of money to download. It is shaping up to be a record year for spending this Valentine's Day. That's according to the National Retail Federation. It says consumers plan to spend a total of $25.8 billion this Valentine's Day, on par with last year's spending and the third highest in the survey's history. 62% of consumers aged 25 to 34 intend to celebrate this year more than any other age group. Consumers expect to spend $185 each on average. That's nearly $8 more than the national average Valentine's Day spending over the last five years. I'm Dina Kodiak. $185. Lou, are you going to spend $185 uh, this Valentine's Day? Let's see. I, I need to take a fraction. Hold on. One sixteen. <laughs> right. Oh, my favorite holiday of all time. No, of course I will. Oh, right, right. You know, it's one of those holidays that if you don't do anything, you're in trouble. And uh, so even though my wife every year says, you know, this is ridiculous. You don't need to do anything. Oh, I hear that all the time. Yeah. You, you, you're screwed. You no, are. you got to do something. You have to do something. It doesn't have to be dinner, but it's got to be something. So, yeah. I mean, dinner out. Has to sure. Be, has wait till the weekend even, but you exactly. got to do something. you got to yeah. acknowledge it. Yeah. You're screwed. This is totally true. A conservative group insists the NFL's Rooney rule is racist. The rule requires football teams to interview at least one minority candidate during the hiring process. America First Legal, which is led by former Trump advisor Stephen Miller, filed a complaint with the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission claiming the 2003 rule is discriminatory. An NFL spokesperson told The Hill that it's proud of the work it has done to promote equal employment opportunities. I'm Lisa Taylor. Of course, Super Bowls this weekend. We're going to get a lot more into that on Friday. A lot of interesting stories coming out of that. Taylor Swift calling out this college student for tracking her private jet flights. Lawyers? For the superstar singer threatening legal action against University of Central Florida student Jack Sweeney if he doesn't stop posting Taylor Swift's flight information online, which, by the way, just seems like a creepy thing to do to somebody. I understand she's a pop star, but really? New Yorkers say the pop star does deserve her privacy, but it's unlikely she'll get it. I've never really thought about it too hard before, but yeah, I think they deserve privacy. They're people too. I would say they are entitled to it, but due to their status, they're not going to get it or they'll get it 
percentage of it. They want to get 100% privacy because I want to know what they're doing as well. Yeah, all right. Well, Sweeney says he waits 24 hours to post Swift's flight times, but her lawyers say the information has caused her all kinds of problems. He's done this before. He's tracked the flight patterns of Russian oligarchs, Elon Musk, and billionaire Mark Cuban. But I don't know. That's just creepy. The opening bell. It rings this morning on Wall Street after stocks closed higher yesterday. The S&P 500 edged closer to hitting 5,000 for the first time ever. This comes after a fresh wave of strong corporate earnings. At the closing bell, Dow gained 156 points. S&P 500 rose 40. NASDAQ added, uh, added 147 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. <laughs> It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Thursday, February 8th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. We'll see a mix of sun and clouds today. High 49. Tonight and overnight, the clouds roll in low 40 and then Friday partly cloudy but awfully warm for the winter high 54 if you're walking out the door with us right now so happy you are 28 clear in New Square up in Rockland County 33 and clear in Eatontown down in New Jersey and 34 and some scattered clouds outside our Midtown studios right now we'll start this half hour right here in the east side of Manhattan where the NYPD is searching for just a total creep, a jerk who severely injured a 91-year-old man trying to rob him on the Upper East Side. Hyman Silvergrad, speaking to CBS, he said he was walking home after running some errands in his neighborhood when this man attacked him, tried to steal his wallet. He says adrenaline kicked in and he tried to fight back uh, against a man that was nearly twice his size. I see a shadow momentarily right near me and then someone jumps on me and tries to rip my wallet he he throws me to the uh, sidewalk i wasn't as easy a mark as he thought i would be because i was physically fighting him back yeah, surveillance cameras captured images of this guy. This was 86 near 2nd Avenue. He was wearing a black coat, gray hat. There's great pictures of him. So someone's going to recognize him. Hopefully they'll turn him in. His uh, health team in the in the case of uh, Hyman working to repair all that's wrong. I mean, he was really messed up from the shove to the ground. His son uh, was at the hospital yesterday. Six broken ribs. Incredibly painful. Um, hematoma of the liver. He's not going to stop at my father. I mean, there are a lot of elderly New Yorkers. I like to get him off the street. Yeah, police want to get this guy off the street as well. We'll put that picture up at WABCradio.com. Again, really clear picture, so I imagine it's just a matter of time till cops catch up with him. Not too far away, up in Yonkers, police say they're interviewing a person of interest involved in the case of a baby left abandoned inside an apartment building. The newborn baby girl was found crying in the hallway of this building on Chestnut Street about 8.30 Tuesday night. A good Samaritan wrapped the infant in a blanket. The baby was taken to a local hospital for further evaluation. Thankfully, the baby seems to be okay. Here's the cops in Yonkers. She is being treated for... No, obviously being abandoned, left in a building, uh, being out in the cold, and and some other issues. Um, but 
but at this time, we, we believe that she's in stable condition. The building where the baby was found is this multifamily building, has four apartments. Detectives from the Major Case Squad Special Victims Unit spent Tuesday night into Wednesday interviewing witnesses trying to determine if the mother lives in the building or has ties to the building. We want to look into every angle, uh, you know, could the child have been taken from the mother? We don't know what, what the situation is. So we don't want to go right to, uh, you know, a criminal criminal aspect. We just want to make sure that the mom is safe before we before we push this any further. Again, they are talking to somebody. They don't say whether it may be the mother or not. Under state law, parents can legally abandon a newborn up to 30 days old without fear of prosecution if it's done as a designated safe location like a firehouse. The opposite appears to what happened here on Tuesday. A little further up, Westchester County Health Department recommending people who attended a game dinner held at the American Legion Post in Mount Kisco to contact their doctors after a bunch of people have gotten sick from the food that was served there. The American Legion says the space was rented out to an outside food vendor who prepared the meals. The two people who have eaten this venison, that's what they served, say there might have been a parasite in what meat was that was undercooked, toxoplasmosis. And so these people have gotten pretty ill from eating this venison. By the way, if you don't know what that is, that's deer meat. A little too adventurous for me. The officials say they've learned of about 20 people who've developed symptoms since eating the deer meat. We particularly are concerned about people that may have taken food home and other people may have ingested it, especially women who might be pregnant and also individuals who are immunocompromised. Yeah, parasites is a little frightening. The health department says uh, reach out to them if you were at that dinner. WABC News Time 539 out to Brooklyn. Police searching for a group of people who vandalized a church there. A group of five breaking into a side door of St. Columbia Roman Catholic Church on Kimball Street in Marine Park during the early morning hours. The vandalism captured by one of the church's security cameras. Once inside, they broke a stained glass window, a metal cross, and uh, that was outside the camera's range. But they do have good pictures of these folks that are wanted. You have pride in your parish. I know uh, a lot of parishioners are very upset about this. And uh, I know I'm upset. Tom is upset. Everybody's upset about it. That is the deacon at St. Columbia Roman Catholic Church. Detectives from 63rd Police Precinct tracking down, releasing these images of the suspects. They say due to the nature of the damage and the vandalism, they're designating this a hate crime. They did about $1,000 just to the stained glass windows and damage. The vandals actually tried to get further into the church. And here's the frightening part. Had they succeeded, and there's video of this as they're trying to get further into the church, they're certain that damage would have been done to the altar, to the statues, to the artwork. And uh, one of the priests lives inside this area. They could have even breached into the rectory office and did more damage. I mean, and, and who knows if, you know, we, the, uh, Father Lambert lives here alone. Mm-hmm. Had they breached it and they saw him and he came upon them, what would they have done to him? Yeah, thank God they did not get that far. The church calling it disgraceful act by these persons. It sure is. And now they're trying to find them. It's the desecration. It's that people really don't uh, care like they used to, you know. Uh, I mean, years ago, you wouldn't even think of something like this happening. You know, he's right. I mean, I I can't even tell you how many times do we do this story where someone's attacking a church or some other religious institution? Just bizarre. Leave these guys alone. 
Seconds count, of course, during an emergency, especially when ambulance and trained EMTs are needed. That's why Monmouth County says this is bad. They're not getting enough people to become EMTs there. They're doing everything they can. They're just declining amount of volunteers. It kind of started post-pandemic or even during the pandemic. Normally, they would have more people in to train. They did not. And since then, they're not getting enough people in to train. The Monmouth County Sheriff, Sean Golden, starting a new regional fleet known as MedStar. The program rolled out yesterday with four ambulances and 44 newly hired full-time EMTs at the ready. But they need more of the volunteer EMTs. And so far, they have not been able to attract as many as they could in the past. We had over 100,000 calls for service in the county last year, and our, our goal is to assist the volunteers and paid professionals, reduce response times, and provide the best patient care that we can. Uh, Pre-COVID, there were probably 22,000, 21,000 EMTs in the state of New Jersey. Post-COVID, that number is more like 19,000. So you're losing EMTs. Uh, while call volume is skyrocketing. Yeah, that's a huge drop. Attracting people to the field is tough. A lot of times they say they don't have the ambulances available to do standbys or go to schools or talk to people. And so they can't go and just say, hey, this is what I do. Explain because these people are so busy because there's not enough EMTs. They can't convince people who are non-EMTs to come into the profession, which they've normally done in the past. Here's an EMT who says, He's busy constantly. You never know at what point anywhere in the county could, uh, we call it popping off, where, you know, all of a sudden you have a cluster of calls come in. People leaving the city to come down here, Tinton Falls is a booming town. They have a lot of new structures going up every day. That entire region has new structures going up every day. Um, that doesn't necessarily increase the amount of people who are willing to volunteer. They end up being the greatest people, right, those EMTs. So uh, they're trying to do everything they can to convince people to volunteer, and they're working on some ideas and some programs. 543, let's bring it back here into New York. Governor Hochul says the first milestone has been reached in the statewide program that supports local municipalities in building more housing. This is all about trying to get New Yorkers to stop leaving New York. She says 20 communities have now been approved from like areas of Long Island, the Hudson Valley, the Capital Region, while more than 80 other towns have applied for this aid to build more housing. We want to work with you. We want to help identify sites. We want to help you with the infrastructure. We want to help you figure out a way that we can continue to grow and meet the demands of our residents and also tackle that affordability crisis. Don't have to tell you that New York has just become almost unaffordable for so many people. So-called Pro-housing communities will get priority for up to $650 million to create more homes and in turn make those housing more affordable. So the thought is this may help stop the drain from New York. We have 20 communities that have been approved already. They're from Long Island, Mid-Hudson, Central New York, West New York, Mohawk Valley, Southern Tier, North Country, and Capital Regions. Mineola's clerk, that's Mineola, Long Island, says the program will help the village there build what she calls smart, locally planned transportation transit-oriented development while maintaining suburban quality of life. And everybody's aboard on that. This designation will reward the village for doing what we've been doing for the past 20 years, building smart, locally planned transit-oriented development while maintaining our suburban quality of life. And Kingston's Mayor Steve Noble says housing is the stopping point for many people. If you can afford to live there and the housing is low cost, people will stay. When we look at um, the growth of the Hudson Valley and all of the opportunities that we have, um, housing is the first thing that everyone points to as this is the stopping 
point. This is the bottleneck. It's housing. I have to say that this opportunity brings hope to us. Um, I sit here and I watch families who are literally crying because now they have to leave their homes or there's no place for them to go that they can afford. And no doubt you've had family friends, uh, most of them, moving south after they leave New York. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noah Mullet. And to start here on the ice at the Garden, Jimmy BC he scored twice and Jonathan Quick made 18 saves as the Rangers beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-1 to last night for the third straight win. Johnny Brzezinski also scored for New York, who won for the second time in three days after the All-Star break. Quick has started both of those games. The Rangers are 4-1-1 in their last six and at 38. Jonathan Quick became the oldest goaltender in Rangers history to win three straight games. He also defeated Ottawa 7-2 in New York's last game before the All-Star break on January 27th. Last night was his 387th career win, two behind Dominic Hasek for 15th on the all-time wins list. BC gave the Rangers a 1-0 lead as he ripped a backhand pass Vasilevsky at the 115 mark of the middle period. Brzezinski increased the lead with his third goal with uh, just over two minutes remaining in the second. And then BC sealed the win with an empty net goal with uh, just about a minute remaining for his 11th of the season. The Rangers were coming off a 2-1 to win uh, in overtime over Colorado at home on Monday. After an off day yesterday, the Islanders and Devils will return to the ice tonight uh, at their respective home barns in Newark. The Devils will drop a 7 p.m. puck with the Cal- uh, Calgary Flames where the Islanders get going against the visiting Tampa Bay Lightning at 8 p.m. No action on the hardwood last night, but the Knicks and Nets both return to the court for respective 7.30 p.m. tip-offs tonight. At the Garden, the Knicks will welcome in the Dallas Mavericks while out in Brooklyn. The Nets will be hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers. That is Sports Noam, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Let's catch you up on some of the bigger stories of the morning. Up in the Bronx, they are looking for these brazen thieves who broke into a bodega, took off with $100,000 in cash. Surveillance video from the break-in into this private office shows these guys with masks on, flashlights, removing cash from the store's register. The store owner, you can imagine, pretty uh, emotional after realizing how much had been taken from his store. Fernando Mateo, who is a spokesperson for United Bodegas of America, says uh, the owner too distraught to speak, but the community apparently are rallying around him. The store is the Los Castillos Mini Market, which is on University Avenue. They were able to cut all of the Wi-Fi wiring, all of the instruments that would have alerted the police department. One of the burglars involved in the robbery seen on video just casually behind the counter, tossing all kinds of cash into a backpack. It wasn't until the owner showed up for work that he realized his business had been broken into. The steel back door was pried open with a crowbar. The security cameras were all damaged. The bodega owner, of course, is uh, broken down uh, economically, socially, mentally. Um, he lost $100,000. I know him and his father and all his family, hardworking people. And, you know, it's, it's very sad. Of course, the question is, why did you have so much cash in the store overnight? But citywide burglaries are down. It's a different story, though, in the Bronx, in the 46th precinct where this bodega is. NYPD crime stats show burglaries are up so far, just since January anyway, 25% this year. So small businesses are feeling the effect as well. Bodega owners are also threatened with people following them to their homes and robbing them 
at their doorstep. Not clear whether the bodega owner will ever see that money that he lost, $100,000. So far, no arrests have been made. Search continues this morning for five U.S. Marines whose military, military helicopter was found in Southern California's Pine Valley after it did not arrive at the San Diego base as it was scheduled to. The Marines were on a training flight. They were on which a CH-53E Super Stallion helicopter Tuesday night flying from Creech Air Force Base, which is near Vegas, to Marine Corps Air Station Miramar, which is in San Diego. But they never showed up. Civil authorities found the helicopter about 9 o'clock a.m. yesterday in Pine Valley, which is this mountainous area. It's about 30 miles east of the San Diego military base. The condition of the helicopter, we don't know. They didn't tell us. Uh, so far, they have not found these five Marines who were aboard the chopper. Somebody who's flown this helicopter before says it's normally a pretty sturdy one. Some people might call it a heavy lift. It's very, very capable. It can carry a lot of stuff. It can bring in heavy equipment. It can bring in troops. The helicopter has been around with the Marine Corps for a long time and certainly has a great history and performance record. That's Jim Critic, who has flown a similar helicopter. It did for 21 years when he was in the Navy. We would call it in aviation a beast of an aircraft. A lot of weight-carrying capability and size. It could put vehicles inside it, you know, that kind of thing. Very high-performing, very capable helicopter with, I'm sure, a well-trained crew. Yeah, he says that's the bizarre part. And, of course, just strange that they haven't been able to find these five crew members. But the weather, no doubt, is playing a part because it's been awful in California. I think their biggest challenge is what we've all been experiencing in the San Diego region is weather. You know, I would find it unusual to not believe somehow the weather has affected where they are. Matter of fact, it's probably the weather that is our primary challenge in finding them. And maybe daylight will help in the process of searching for this crew. 552, at least six people unaccounted for after a house was set on fire yesterday during a shooting that injured two police officers. This was right outside Philadelphia. They still haven't figured out this whole story. The district attorney holding a press conference last night says the officers were responding to the report of an 11-year-old being shot inside this home. But at some point, they realized maybe the child had not been shot. And as soon as the officers arrived at this house, someone started shooting at them. I don't know who was in the house. We don't know who the shooter was. We don't know how many people are in there. We don't know their status. We don't know if they're alive. Uh, police officers right now are making sure that that scene is secure. The gunfire has stopped. I just left that scene. Some of us chiefs did as well. Um, the house was still on fire, so we weren't able to make entry yet into the house because we're taking it safely for all of the officers on scene. But we will get to the bottom of it, and we will continue that investigation to know whether or not an 11-year-old girl was or was not shot more importantly, who shot these police officers, and we intend to hold everyone accountable. Yeah, the detail's still kind of sketchy this morning, but the good news is these two officers will make a full recovery. One was shot in the arm, the other one shot in the leg. They're in stable condition this morning. A person inside the home apparently is the one that started the fire, uh, so they weren't able to get into the home right away. I imagine this morning we will get more details from that police department right outside Philadelphia. The president in the city yesterday afternoon causing all kinds of gridlock, mess of traffic. He was attending these high-dollar fundraisers on the Upper West and Upper East Side, doing a meet and greet at the Mandarin Hotel in Columbus Circle, both places where he went. Pro-Palestinian protesters followed him. I bet he hears it for sure, and I think he's been hearing it. 
He will say one or two words of sympathy for the Palestinians, but continues to do the worst, which is to actually send billions in military aid to Israel. So you can say one thing, but do the other. For a short time, these protesters shut down Fifth Avenue outside the Met. Some of them were arrested. For the rest of us, it was, of course, just a nuisance because they were closing down random streets whenever the president was traveling. Traffic? Oh, my God. It's heavy. The president should have thought about the citizens and a different mode of travel. Yeah, well, it always happens. The presidential candidates, Republican, Democrat, they always come to New York to raise money. Republican and Democratic leaders on Long Island and in Queens, not sure white might tip the special congressional election in the third district their way. Early voting has been underway since the weekend to fill the seat left vacant when George Santos was expelled from Congress back in December. Voters say they have a lot on their minds as they choose between former Democratic Congressman Tom Swazi and a relative newcomer, Mozzie Pillow. We want to like find someone that we can like trust and we won't have to go through this again. Just think that they're uh, saying what they think you want to hear and not really what's necessary. So Mozzie Pillow says she believes the surge of migrants coming from the border and here to New York has district voters who normally vote Democratic thinking about voting for a Republican this time. First time was he kicked ice from Nassau and he was so, so proud of that. And now we are seeing the result of Biden's was the open borders uh, sanctuary cities and major, major migrant crisis that brought us a lot of drugs and crime to our communities. You just saw last week how illegal immigrants attacked our police officers. Tom Swazi says he can get Congress, though, to act and fix what's wrong at the border. Everybody's freaking out about the immigration crisis. They see uh, people streaming over the border. They see it on the news every night. People are very upset about it. We haven't been had a compromise on that for 35 years since Ronald Reagan was the president. Right now is the best possible time to make a compromise on immigration that we've had in decades. Swazi says he's laid out this plan of everything he wants to do if he gets back to Congress. He says Mozzie Pillip has not given voters a whole lot of details of where she stands on a lot of big issues. Laid out my 10-point plan with details in it. I come on every show that will take me, put five people in a room, I'll show up and give a speech. My opponent, on the other hand, will not do debates. Uh, she's not giving detailed plans, and she's just relying on the same old talk points from the bosses and from Washington, you want candidates who are going to be transparent. But Pillip says everybody already knows Swazi's record because he's been in Congress, and that's why she's confident she can win. He created this mess. He didn't protect the American people. He created the border crisis. He kicked the ice from Nassau County. He was supporting defunding the police movement. And the only person who can fix it is me because I love this country. So early voting, it ends Sunday. The special election, it takes place on Tuesday. And tonight, the one and only debate between the two, you can see on News 12. 557, traffic, transit on the 7s. Here's Joe Nolan. Well, from the RayContina.com traffic desk, if you're on 684 in Westchester County on the northbound side up there by exit 4, there is an overturned tractor trailer. Two lanes are going to be out of service. The left lane is out on the southbound side. It's probably going to be there a while because it happened right around uh, 4 o'clock. So you've got some uh, significant delays starting to build both ways on 684 coming into this thing at exit 4. Again, it's on the northbound side, an overturned tractor trailer. Cross Bronx still slow coming into Webster Avenue with some road work. If you're on 35, both ways in Woodbridge, right around Peach Street, all lanes are closed there. An accident with down pole and down wires. We also had a problem on Route 9 on the southbound side as you start to get down towards uh, the Garden State Parkway and Route 440. All lanes are closed there. An accident with a down pole, down wires. That is still in the process of being cleared. 
Now, good news on the Cross Bronx just got in again as you come into Webster Avenue. That road work is out of the way, so that is certainly uh, going to make things a lot better there. So far, so good. Inbound at the Hudson River crossings, you only have minor delays. Same thing as you uh, get around most of the roadways in New Jersey are pretty much problem-free. Going to check into Route 80. Looks like there might be a little bit of a slowdown coming into Route 15. And mass transit, just those G-trains with delays and alternate side is in effect. Discover exceptional value in a certified pre-owned Jaguar from Ray Katina Jaguar of Edison and Jaguar Marlboro. 4.99% financing for up to 60 months now available to qualified buyers on all certified pre-owned models. Visit Ray Katina Jaguar of Edison and Jaguar Marlboro. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Let's find out what's happening on the Thursday edition of Sit and Friends in the Morning from Justin Ellick. Thank you, Nolan. Late and bottom of each hour on this Friday Eve. You don't want to miss our minicast clip of the day. 6.45 of the way of guests. It's going to be kicking us off. Michelle Eskenazi before Curtis Lee joins us live here in studio at 7.15. 7.45 we'll have the dynamic law duo of Stephen Razor and Thomas Kniff joining us from Razor and Kniff. 8.15 it'll be uh, the sportsman Mike Francesa. We're looking forward to this. Uh, but head of the Super Bowl this weekend and big bad Bill O'Reilly uh, at 8.45 and then uh, maybe a surprise or two know him in the 9 o'clock hour hmm. this morning. Coming at you, sitting friends in the morning, uh, Friday Eve. Let's I like do surprises. It. Yeah. All right, we're out of here on this Thursday morning. We'll do it all over again tomorrow morning, 5 a.m. Don't go anywhere now. Yeah, sitting friends in the morning, they are up next.